1: Time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the programme this week, Joseph Parker prepares for the fight of his life. We cast our eye over New Zealand's medal chances at the Commonwealth Games, and groundbreaking women's cricket umpire Kathy Cross pull stumps on her career. New Zealand's Joseph Parker will fight Britain's Anthony Joshua in a unification heavyweight world title fight in Cardiff on Sunday morning. It's the biggest fight of the 26-year-old Parker's career. He has a record of 24 wins and no losses. The 28-year-old Joshua goes into the fight as a firm favourite, having won all of his 20 bouts by knockout. Our reporter Clay Wilson's in Cardiff covering the fight and he joins us now. Clay, how much anticipation is there ahead of this fight?
0: Around the streets, not too much just yet, but you can certainly see a few billboards and posters up and, and uh, here at the uh, pre-fight public workout tonight and the punters here that have come in are certainly very excited and some of them um, giving their thoughts on Joseph Parker earlier and a few actually thinking he's got a pretty decent chance. So I would say as we get over the next sort of 48 hours, we will see uh, a lot more interest ramp up. It tends to be the way it is in boxing, but um, no doubt it's going to be a sold-out uh, event here on Saturday night, 80,000 people, so a huge event.
1: And the feeling in the in the the Parker camp leading into what is obviously the the biggest fight of Joseph Parker's career.
0: Yeah, pretty much as you've seen from that side of the world, really very calm and relaxed. I spoke with his trainer Kevin Barry earlier today, and. Just sort of same been the same thing for the last few weeks with the team Parker they've just come across very composed and and just sort of trying to embrace the occasion obviously a huge occasion for them and much bigger than anything they've encountered in a lot of ways, but they're really just embracing each day and every every moment of it and they seem very relaxed and I guess. Perhaps people might say that doesn't count for a lot uh, once she steps in the ring, and they might be right, but um, they certainly give themselves the best chance, and they seem very relaxed, not overawed or daunted by by what uh, is ahead of them at all.
1: What about his chances? I mean, where's, where does he have some strengths, and where are Joseph Parker's weaknesses?
0: Well, the, the one area he's definitely got an advantage is hand speed. Uh, Well-known Joseph Parker's is... One of, if not the fastest heavyweights going around. And Anthony Joshua is a bigger guy, and obviously being bigger makes you a, a little bit slower, not to say Anthony Joshua is slow, but uh, in comparison. And I think there's a, the the general consensus is Parker is probably going to have to try and uh, and move move around the ring, get in shots, and and get out. Um, perhaps he may not have the the power to knock him out with one punch, but if he can take him into the later rounds, then then he can wear him down and and perhaps he can catch him with a barrage of punches and put him down, or, or if it goes the distance, um, outpoint him in the end over the latter half of the fight. So it's really, for, I think, about uh, uh, for Joseph, sorry, about uh, sort of putting up with that initial barrage from Joshua and then getting him a bit fatigued and perhaps trying to come home strong.
1: The general feeling, though, would be that if it goes the distance and it's a points decision, Joseph Parker's not going to have much of a show. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess this is always the thing in boxing. It's a a subjective situation when it goes to the scorecards. But um, Duco and David Higgins—they're always colourful. David Higgins push strong for a neutral judging panel, so they've got an Italian referee, and then the three judges are one British, one Kiwi, and I think one from Europe. So uh, I guess they've given themselves the best chance of perhaps getting a a good decision. But it's like any sport. Sometimes can be a little bit of a hometown favouritism with the with the officials when it comes to that sort of thing. But uh, I guess we will we will see. He he he's got one result on this side of the world, so maybe he can get another.
1: Is this being seen perhaps in the UK as simply an entree to uh, Anthony Joshua fighting Deontay Wilder for a sort of super unification bout?
0: Certainly, I think among some people that's still the case, but I think increasingly on this side of the world, and speaking to members of the British media here, people in this part of the world are coming round to to the idea that perhaps this is not just a cakewalk for Anthony Joshua, that perhaps Joseph Parker is better than they've given him, him credit for, and as they find out more about him, they're uh, saying a few people, even a few people here tonight, telling me they think Joseph Parker's got a lot more of a chance than the the bookmakers certainly are giving him. Um, but there is still that, uh, that interest in a big fight against someone like Wilder. Um, hunters always want to know what's going to, what's going to be next. And with Anthony Joshua, he's always such a strong favourite that they're always looking into the future. But um, I don't think that's the case in the Joshua camp. Certainly Joshua himself, I don't think, would be foolish to overlook, Joseph. But um, there's definitely, certainly still some interest here around what might be next. So perhaps that might play into, into Parker's hands in some way.
1: What, what have you made about the hype around anthony Joshua? Uh,
0: with this fight would all over uh,
1: j- just around his camp i mean and how he exudes that confidence i mean what what's the you know the the turnout when when he appears as opposed to parker
0: yeah he's a huge star in this part of the world no doubt about that no, no spoken to would deny he's one of the british, biggest stars in, in british sport and perhaps in all of boxing at the moment. Uh, he's wherever he goes he's got an entourage and people follow him at the big pre, uh pre-fight final press conference yesterday at Sky Sports there was just a horde of people following him wherever he went and um you know certainly every member of the media was trying to get their hands on him and get some time with him so there's no doubt he's a, he's a huge huge star in this part of the world just got to look at his pulling power to sell out stadiums and, and sell millions and millions of pay-per-views and, and people, eyes eyes on him all around the world. So um, people around here, certainly most places you go know who Anthony Joshua is and, and what he's about.
1: So how are you going to call it, Clay? Give us your, your verdict.
0: <laughs> In my heart and my head tell me two different things. I still think it's, it's hard to deny that uh, Anthony Joshua is the favourite for this fight, Um Especially with the resume, uh, on his resume, having that that one against Klitschko, which of course was such an epic encounter, and he, of course, got up off a canvas to win that. So I think if you were a betting man, you would probably be siding with Joshua, but I certainly give Joseph Parker a very good chance. Joshua's going to stand in front of Parker, and and Joseph likes that sort of style, people coming at him. He doesn't mind fighting going backwards. Um, So. I wouldn't be hugely shocked if Joseph won, but I think you you can't deny that Joshua is probably still at this stage the favourite.
1: Now once the Joseph Parker fight culminates on Sunday morning, the Commonwealth Games get underway on Wednesday. So a busy sporting schedule ahead. New Zealand's sending its biggest ever team to the Gold Coast with 251 athletes competing. I'm joined now by Barry Guy to discuss New Zealand's medal chances and a few that may also have fallen by the wayside. Barry, uh, what, what are your thoughts heading into these Commonwealth Games?
2: Well, Stephen, in uh, recent games, uh, cycling's been one of the most successful sports for New Zealand. Uh, but cycling is also one of those sports that's perhaps the most competitive uh, when it is at the Commonwealth Games because the Australians will do, be doing particularly well there and uh, Great Britain divided up into their countries will also uh, do well. You've, you've got to think that the likes of the men's sprint team and uh, sprinters individually will do well again. Uh, Eddie Dawkins, Ethan Mitchell, Sam Webster. But... Uh, they and the other cyclists had dis- disappointing mm. world championships just recently whether they were saving themselves a bit for for this i'm not too sure but um you know i i wonder how much
1: confidence the cyclists go into this event with they also struggled a bit in rio didn't they they were very underwhelming there um well just won silver medal so um I, i'd struggle to think though they were trying to save themselves to the commonwealth games as opposed to the <laughs> the, the world champs um but yeah, I mean, they're sort of on a bit of a almost a rescue mission, aren't they, for New Zealand cycling?
2: That's right. I wonder if, the, if uh, everyone is relying too much on that men's sprint team to kick off their campaign sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond because they were you know out of the medals completely at the world championship so cycling does well mountain biking again uh anton cooper is the defending champion there but sam gaze has been in really good form and he's he's there so uh, in the mountain biking is is good athletics uh again they'll be relying on them the only you know and you can never guarantee anything in sport but the only gold medal I I think is assured is is Tom Walsh in the shot put. He, he seems to be way ahead of everyone else and is is throwing particularly well. He set a record again just just last week. Uh, Dame Valerie Adams she's just returning and she's only throwing now more or less what the other contenders are doing. So. Hopefully uh, her experience at the international level will get her through. I, I think she'll win a medal,
1: but gold, we'll have to wait and see. And uh, Just, Is she going to be, this has got to be her last one, doesn't it, really, you think?
2: I, well I think she'll continue she's enjoying the first you know child and I, I think there's every chance that she uh, you know may continue along that lines and, and I remember when we spoke to her after Rio she said that um, Gold Coast is an opportunity to you know, sort of compete in front of a home crowd at this level and gave the impression that yeah this possibly would be uh, her last uh, um, her last campaign Eliza McCartney Paul Volt a chance of a gold medal there. She's uh, leading sort of the world list this year. So, But again, that's one of those technical things that, that could go either way. Well, there'll be odds and sides of medals. Uh, uh, um, uh, Natalie Rooney in shooting, an uh, Olympic silver medalist. You know, uh, as I mentioned, cyclists Hamish Bond, the rower, he's, he's probably a chance in the time trial. Laurel Hubbard and weightlifting, um, you know, and you, you always get some others thrown up boxing, you know, judo squash and the likes, um, some other gold medals, but um, I think this one is going to be particularly uh, tough for New Zealand. Even though it's close, you know, those Aussies competing at home, they're going to be hard to beat.
1: Team sports? What, what what do you think about there? Well,
2: yeah, well, we we were discussing uh, Stephen. You know, and you mentioned that um, there are a lot of sports, team sports, that New Zealand's done well in, but it seems that the rest of the world's sort of caught up in recent time.
1: Well, I suppose we've got we've got quite a number of team sports haven't we, which has sort of ballooned that that team out to two hundred and fifty one. So we've got obviously the the rugby sevens, the men and the women. The men, uh, well, there's no guarantee they'll uh, when a medal, let alone gold, um, because the the way that the competition has um, got so much tighter. Again, they're trying to make up for for Rio, aren't they? Because they, they failed to, to win a medal mm-hmm. there. I think the women are, are pretty much guaranteed a silver, I think you'd have to say. I, they're going to struggle to get past Australia because Australia's been so, doing so well on that World Circuit and the Seventh Circuit, and I think they're actually uh, unbeaten. Uh, their netball I mean you would have thought that a medal was a given and at least a silver uh, at that but uh, the Silver Ferns have been beaten by Jamaica twice recently they've also obviously lost to Australia and England uh, quite severely in the last uh, six months or so, so you could even see them miss out on a medal altogether, you could have Australia England and Jamaica as, as on the podium for, for netball, so uh, yeah, there, there's sort of uh, certainly no guarantees on areas that previously we would have thought that um, would have been um, pretty much guarant- guaranteed medals.
2: Yeah, hockey uh, I've an interest in, and but they tend to in big tournaments get have trouble getting past the semi-finals, looked look good but then they slip over there both the men's and women's team. Um, I quite like the look of the men's basketball team, actually, and they've been playing internationally recently in that Asian series, And but again, they're going to have to come up against Australia. You know, the men's teams, I know they must be ranked in the top five in the world, Australia, so, I mean, they're going to be tough, so, um,
1: yeah, um. yeah. It's inter- interesting with the basketball because we've got, this is the first time it's been back since Melbourne in 2006, so uh, it's, a, it's a sport that's sort of um, not, not there as a regular uh, Commonwealth Games participant, uh, but the the tall blacks have been in good good form recently. They've had what a win over China, a win over Korea as part of their build up to the or qualifying for the world champs. Uh, no Stephen Adams, of course, but um, but they they're, they're doing reasonably well holding their own on the, on the international stage
2: and you've been uh, organising the whole thing's team there's no reason why Gold Coast won't be well organised and you know there shouldn't be any problems there's no, no no media have got stuck into anything no,
1: no well it, it seems to be reasonably well organised I mean the, the Australians seem reasonably competent at, at handling um, major sporting events I mean they've obviously had had the, the Sydney Olympics in 2000 they had the, the Melbourne Commonwealth Games in 2006 that's only just 12 years ago so they've, they've got the template to, to work by Um, and and, I mean for the Gold Coast this is I suppose a a coming of age for them they're trying to move out of Brisbane's shadow um, so they'll be wanting to make sure that uh, you know that they get things right Uh, and um, on the way things seem to be shaping up it seems uh, pretty well organised After nearly 20 years out in the middle groundbreaking women's cricket umpire Cathy Cross is pulling stumps on her international career the Nate Maniopoto woman made her an international debut at the 2000 ICC Women's World Cup in New Zealand. In 2002, she became the first woman to be appointed to a test match umpiring team, and she was the first woman to be named on the ICC Umpires Panel in 2014. She's now officiated at 22 Women's World Cup matches, the most by any umpire in the history of the tournament. Ravinda Hoonier caught up with Cathy Cross to talk to her about her career, why she never got to umpire a men's test, it hopes for women umpires in the future.
3: I've always enjoyed cricket, right from when I was small. I loved watching it on TV when I could, when I was allowed to, really, because it wasn't a sport that wasn't conducive to, with our family. We were more rugby-orientated. But however, as time went on, I didn't play it at school because I went to an all-girls school, and obviously it wasn't in our school. It wasn't part of our sporting curriculum and when i came to wellington and i met my husband he was a cricketer and all our all our children played cricket so that's really what got me into cricket and into uh, the umpiring part came a little later when my daughter was playing at at uh, college cricket and i used to help out to umpire the games so it just sort of went from there going to lords and watching the final of the 2017 world cup at Lords, I'd never been to Lords before, so that was a big highlight for me.
0: What did it mean for you to be in Lords at that grand final and seeing the popularity that it had gained? Knowing your journey in women's cricket, well, it was absolutely
3: fantastic to see the women playing at Lords. Uh, the progression of the game, the women's game, from when I first started umpiring, has been hugely—it's uh, uh, been immense and. Uh, of course, the resources that are now put into women's cricket around the world, are, again, it's grown so much, and of course, with those resources available, uh, the results will come with the with the players as well.
0: And what was the major difference between umpiring men's and women's cricket? I guess the women,
3: for the women, umpiring the women. Um, to be fair, they probably just got on with the game. Uh, they were probably more readily. Um, ready to accept decisions. Uh, they may not have always agreed, but uh, you know, they just got on with the game. Perhaps with the men, they were a little bit more questioning of the decision, but there wasn't anything uh, you know that would follow up from there. They would move on with the game as well.
0: And how do you feel about not umpiring a men's test? Well,
3: the men's test is the the, the top of the castle, really. That's the, uh, that's the epitome of uh, cricket umpiring and to to actually get to test status you would really have to be on that uh, ICC elite panel of umpires with me being the first woman to be appointed to an ICC panel which is the associate and affiliates panel which is the third panel on the ICC list and of course you go the next panel to go up to would be the international panel and then of course the next panel up which is what they call the elite panel that is the top of the echelon Uh, with time and progress we may even see some women on the international panel which would be absolutely fantastic
0: and how happy are you with the state you're leaving that position in oh i'm very
3: confident that uh, the pathway for women is there now and it's really their choice whether they wish to wish to take it. And I do hope whoever does take that uh, pathway uh, get, get the opportunities to travel overseas and do some cricket overseas.
1: That's Cathy Cross talking to Ravinda Hunia. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, you can contact us at sports at radioNZ.co.nz. It's on email. You can also follow us for all the latest sport on Twitter at RNZ Sport. So, on behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Houston. Bye for now.